Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. No fight song in America has been played after home football games with 7,000 people still in the stands more than the Indiana fight song, right? Courtney Cronin is with us, a proud IU graduate. That's the first time the fight song has ever been played in my honor. I've been, and I've been there covering games when there's about 4,000 people well, they, they start uh, in the old Memorial of Stadium. It is an amazing tradition of bad football. I mean, we have our own football tradition of ineptitude up here, but nothing compared to Indiana. It was, uh, and you know that uh, it lost now in the East West thing is they don't play each other as often as they used to. But that's a long uh, tradition. The Gophers have played them yeah. for uh, hundred, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of times. I think and they're up just, here this year, if I'm correct. Oh, they're coming yeah. up? Yes, they are. First time in a few years. Well, Indiana football is an interesting proposition. You covered the team, huh? I did. When I was in school, I covered them uh, during the one in... One in eleven year. I covered Bill the Bill Lynch era. Oh, okay. Um, so that was that was interesting <laughs> in its own right. And then they win the Purdue game in two thousand and ten. He gets fired the next day, and it was the Kevin Wilson era, which ended poorly last yes. year, very poorly. Well, um, he uh, he did turn out to be the recruiter that they thought he could be. Cause, true. Uh, coming up from Oklahoma, he he got a few athletes in true. there, but it didn't uh, didn't work out for them. Yeah, he couldn't good. keep his nose clean elsewhere. Who was your um, basketball coach? Tom Crean. Oh, Green was there. And then, uh, yeah. The, High maintenance, I would think. I uh, probably didn't st- treat the student newspaper terribly well, Green, or was he okay? He he was difficult. There were I did student TV when I was okay. in college, and um, one of my colleagues asked him about free throws. And I guess the question came across as, do you practice free throws? Because <laughs> they were like two for like 21 that mm-hmm. night and mm-hmm. um, from the line. And he like paused the press conference, just rip this kid a new one, yeah, and um, eventually went to his P- went to his SID afterwards and pulled the kid aside to apologize. But mm-hmm. to do it publicly and kind of placate, I mean, that was Crean was very much he was not good in game clock management was my biggest thing with him. But I think wired up great. Right up crazy guy. He's in the right family. Yeah, you know, married absolutely. Married to a Harbaugh sister, so he's in the right. Those family reunions in the summer with that, uh, with him and Jim in the in the uh, group. Uh, John seems to be the sane one of he, that uh, three. I would I would love to cover John Harbaugh wherever he is, college, high school. If he goes back to doing pee wee football, he is one of my favorite. Anytime we get the Ravens. 
you know, during the week we get a press a conference mm-hmm. call with the coach. That is one of my all time favorites. He's such a just makes you feel like you know what you're doing, and he's like interested in talking to you. Where did nice you go guy. after IU? What was your first job? My first job was at the NCAA. Actually, oh really? I did in post- town in 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 Indianapolis, in Indy. Right? Uh, yeah. Postgraduate internship there in digital communications was there during the Penn State stuff, the mm. beginning of the O'Bannon trial, all of the Miami backlash. Um, very interesting year, and it was a ten month internship I did before my first newspaper job in yeah. uh, Mississippi. And you have to uh, know how to. Uh, <laughs> When they're handling that for NCAA.com, you probably have to uh, run it through a couple of people before it appears, huh? As yes. As far as you're, yeah. I, mean, I, they, I learned a lot about... They don't about, want the wrong message out, I suppose. No, I learned that tweets need to be read three or four times over and have to be drafted. Can you imagine, like, before hitting send, you actually think about what you write? I know, what a concept, but... Well, um, Where'd you end up in Mississippi, Jackson? Jackson. I was that is, a, that is a newspaper with a great uh, reputation, a great history, the Clarion Ledger. They've yeah. pumped out a lot of really talented people who are, yes. you know, in national roles now. And, I mean, I was there for almost three years, enjoyed every minute of it. People would ask me, like, why do you like the South? Do you really mm-hmm. like it? I loved it. Mm-hmm. I had a great time. Uh, well, how big a town? Uh, probably. I mean, I think the the metro area was around a hundred and ten thousand. So that included Madison, Brandon, some of the whole areas. Uh, you know, there's a three county area that kind of made up Jackson and that population. Who'd you cover? Which uh... I did a little bit of everything. I mean, I did all, both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Um, my focus was really heavily into recruiting, especially with football and basketball, and then high school sports. I had a bunch of different roles down there, but. Spent my time pretty much equally between Oxford and Starkville and was down in Hattiesburg quite a bit uh, during the 0 and 12 uh, oh, Southern, yes. Southern Miss, Southern Miss uh, era, Manny, the year after Larry Fedora. Manny's got a lot of relatives from Mississippi, as you uh, yeah, probably know. pretty much uh, Tupelo, Noxipater, Clarksdale. Okay, Northern Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. Enough. Louisville. We were talking Louisville. About, let's pronounce it correctly. I was see. I was when I was down there. When we had a family reunion down there when I was like eight, and they were they were saying Louisville, Louisville. I was like, okay, that's just because they blend yeah. syllables together. Okay, right. I we were talking about it yesterday. Uh, I happened to be talking about the difference between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. There's the haughty, the haughty toddy, right? Isn't mm-hmm. that what they say? But they're level of arrogance compared to this the the contrast of that two those two schools is amazing you got the harvard of the uh, south and then you have the little farm uh school that probably can't stand them and it's it's got to be a great rivalry i think they were brought down a few pegs by this ncaa oh, sure, investigation yeah. Oh, yeah. and i have never seen a more toxic rivalry. Never, never covered a more toxic you mean rivalry. They hate each other. Like worse than Vikings Packers, if mm-hmm. you can imagine. And I and I've been kind of seeing a little bit more of that. I picked the Packers to win the division last week, and the level of vitriol that has just worked its way into my social media channels. I'm like, yeah, that's nothing compared to what <laughs> I got when I projected a kid to go to Mississippi State over Ole Miss or vice versa. They, uh, you, you weren't still down there then when uh, they were both rated three played four were you there for yeah, when Katy Perry dived into the crowd 2014 season I the track down the guy from the old miss club up here and his daughter was going to school down there and I did a phoner with her and it was uh, it was a lot of fun about the uh, and they were getting ready to play each other and uh, that had to be that'd be great 
Yeah, the Grove is a very cool game day mm-hmm. experience. Um, that weekend was one of their biggest recruiting weekends uh, of all time. And it kind of like s- sparked off something else because they're, they're a player who had committed to them was at Mississippi State that weekend. And that's kind of what, if you're following this NCAA <laughs> investigation, that's one of the very first dominoes you should oh, be really? looking at. Is that right? um, but yeah, no, I mean, there were when, when State was number one, when they beat Auburn, I was there covering that game. Uh, covered Ole Miss when they beat Alabama at home, when they you yeah. know, tore down the goalposts and took it, <laughs> took it into downtown Oxford. I think everybody should cover sports in the South. I really do. Uh, especially the SEC. It's, it's a different animal. There's, there really is nothing like it. I know yeah. that they have their own level of arrogance with their whole, it just means more. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the slogan of the SEC. I don't know who came up with that, but... It really, I mean, it's a religion. It's mm-hmm. it's unlike anything. I can't describe it or relay it to anything else because I went straight from Mississippi out to California mm-hmm. where no one cares about college <laughs> football at all. All right, Courtney Cronin is with us. Yes. I have a breaking news item right okay. before we go to break, and it's a Woj bomb, baby. Okay. Beasley is. He's a very <laughs> young and immature kid. Beasley to sign too, with Wolves? Too much marijuana. No. He's going to the Lakers, baby. Beasley, oh, yeah. Beasley, okay. and LeBron. It's all part of Magic's plan, I uh-huh. suppose. Huh? The yeah. uh, greatest triumph ever on the uh, the Ricey Radio Show, Courtney, was we got David Kahn. Mackey was my partner. Then we got David Kahn fined fifty thousand dollars, the uh, <laughs> as the general manager of the Timberwolves for telling us that Michael Beasley smoked too much pot. <laughs> and we have ran that soundbite into the ground. <laughs> we'll be back. Courtney Cronin is with us, covers the Vikings for ESPN.com. You got a week or two off, but you're ready to uh, go now, huh? Uh We're only a few days away here. I don't know if I'm ready to go, per se. Mm -hmm. I mean, mentally, I'm not there yet. Mentally, I could use about two more weeks of vacation, but that's not an option. Well, it's unfortunate that you only get to experience the Egan you know, basically staying at home and driving out to Egan. Yeah. That's not training camp. Mankato, 52 years. is. Uh, <laughs> it was like a two-and-a-half-week missionary uh, <laughs> movement to go down there for uh, all kinds of football writers. This is this has obviously got to be a lot more convenient, but uh, it's, uh, it, it is something to uh, – we, we haven't had expectations like this for the Vikings in a long, long time. Yeah. Every game is going to be a crisis. If if a law, every loss will be a will be a big issue. Every preseason game will probably be a crisis, and every pass Kirk Cousins throws mm. as a completion yes. or as an interception in a training camp will be a crisis as well. I can't wait to overreact with everyone. <laughs> I'm so excited. That is good. What uh, what what are your early impressions of him as a uh, somebody to deal with? I think he's great. I think yeah. he really is. Um, you know it's. He understands the game here. Um, the goody two shoes part is real. I think it is. I went up to yeah. I went up to Holland, Michigan, okay. a few weeks ago, and was told kind of if you want to get some if you want to get a chance to learn who Kirk Cousins is, go to where he's from, and that's you know like most. Where is Holland? Holland is on the lake. It's uh, or it feeds into Lake Michigan, so okay. it's about an hour, maybe two hours from Chicago. So straight okay. up ninety four okay. uh, on the eastern Smallish. side of yeah it's it's nice downtown like I was expecting Cowtown Farmtown this is pretty cosmopolitan they've got you know it, it's a really 
there's there's money up there. You can tell. I mean, there it's a very religious area. Um, Hope College is there. Okay. D three school. I think it's. Yeah. Um, I don't know this complete sect of Christianity that it's affiliated with. I should because I'm writing the story, but um. Yeah, no, it's a. Uh, it was cool to see Kirk in this environment because it's his camp, and there's you know about three hundred or so campers. It's nothing like any of these other camps that you go to, where the athlete shows up for thirty minutes, signs some autographs, takes some pictures. I mean, he was there the entire time. He was involved in the planning process. He's you know playing dodgeball on a Friday night. That's how I spent my Friday night up there mm-hmm. watching Kirk, uh, you know, evade dodgeballs and you know fall to the ground, crawling army crawling back. I mean, he's. It's not an act is what, you know, I think that there are some people wondering, okay, is the, is the genuine, is it really genuine? And when you're watching him interact with eighth graders, sitting on the ground, talking to them as if you and I were talking right now, there's no sort of um, patronizing going on when they're asking about what's life like in the NFL? What was free agency like? I mean, he's, he really does try to connect with people, I think on a very genuine level, at least just from my dealing when, when you're seeing him with players in the early part of his time with the Vikings and even to where he was with the campers. And he was very gracious with his time. He, there were a few of us from the twin cities media group uh, that went up there and he spent ample time with each of us. Are you going to uh, buy yourself one of those glass pipe type deals to put, put all the rocks rocks in in to uh, live? Let's see here. Well, how old are you? I am 27. I'll be 27. So you'd have three extra years of rocks to go till 90. That one was, uh, that's uh, quite a deal. I, I got to think some of his uh, um, social media stuff is maybe his agency's handling some of that. He, he has some people. of it's a little over the top. Yeah. That's one thing that I asked him about. Um, wondering just, okay, when did you think, when, when did it become necessary to have a marketing arm and trying to get your message out there and marketing yourself as. Um, more than just a quarterback in a way. I mean, he's got a lot of charitable things that he has on his website, but it's also, it's the gear and it's, you know, his message and, you know, it's really truly him putting himself out there, but it's also, a, you have this marketing arm for a quarterback who wasn't has not won a playoff game. It's mm-hmm. kind of this juxtaposition that, is this really necessary right now? Maybe he's trying to get ahead of it. Um, I think that's a very curious angle to explore, and it'll be really interesting to see with this eighty-four million dollar contract he mm-hmm. just got. Um, you know, if things don't go right, or at least go right as quickly as some would hope, what does that become with his platform? Because right now, I mean, the biggest thing with the marketing thing I I saw, at least I witnessed it at the camp. Um, there's no security. It's not like, I mean, can you imagine Aaron Rodgers having mm-hmm. a camp where he's sitting on the ground oh, yeah. driving kids to to and from dodgeball? I mean, <laughs> that, this is very much like who he is in his hometown. Where, When and where does his platform change to where he becomes and morphs into the superstar? Is it truly only if he wins a Super Bowl or is he already there and we just, you know, are starting to witness it? What I am extremely curious about, and you'll never get a straight answer from the Redskins, is why did they dislike him? Yeah. I mean, the Gruden, Gruden and Zim coached together, right? Mm-hmm. I think I don't think Gruden's supposed to be a bad guy, right? I, I don't know him. I haven't dealt with him, and I don't know him. But I don't think he's over the top like his brother. Uh, but obviously, there was an issue there that uh, they, you know, they go seven to nine. He passes for four thousand yards, and the man and the coach basically takes a sideways shot at him, <laughs> and took a sideways shot at him during the that Pam Oliver 
little thing she did in the middle of the year saying how sensitive he was to criticism. That had to come from Gruden or somebody from there. So it's very curious as to why the Redskins didn't like him. Yeah, I mean, that the whole new slate uh, aspect of his narrative now in Minnesota mm-hmm. is going to be really interesting because obviously you're hearing all great things as Adam Thielen and yeah. Stephon Diggs are interviewed throughout the off season. It's all about, you know, Kirk comes in, he's an automatically a, you know, he's a leader of this locker room. He's not afraid to be vocal because it's seven years in. He doesn't have to tiptoe around people. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, was for a hot second the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. What was really the problem in Washington? I I don't know if we'll ever truly know because I mean there's been oh, reports. There's no reason for them to no. And I mean, but there there have been players who have come out and said that he lost the locker room, and there have been yeah. other reports coming out saying that ownership never fully embraced him because they wanted RG three to work. Yeah, and you can understand that. I mean, kind of would be like you know yeah, the so Vikings wanting Teddy Bridgewater yes. to work, and just for you know cr- tough circumstances, it didn't. But I. I tend to think that that narrative, once this offseason ends, will close just because it's it's done. Yes. And yeah. this is, I mean, this is, he's I'm setting not. himself up here for his next big deal, and that's going to be even probably bigger than this and one. And what's going to be interesting is if he fails, they're going to be patting themselves on the back, and if they if he doesn't, they're going to uh, they're going to be uh, quiet about it. Uh, there's got to be behind the uh, uh, somebody used this term with me, the Boy Scout approach that he takes that uh there's got to be a stubborn streak though it's going to be all you know to me it's hey you want to sign me it's all guaranteed nobody's ever done that no it's nobody's ever done that and it was it it is interesting where that came from i mean beyond wanting the money he could have gotten 110 million with 75 guaranteed, but he wanted to, he wanted to be the guy to make it all guaranteed. It's interesting where that streak might come from. I think that's almost, and whether he'll say it or not, I think it's a stick it to the Redskins type thing because he made a lot of, let's not forget, he played no. under two franchise tags. <laughs> yes. He made a lot of money <laughs> yes. and he was very frugal in his spending. I mean, you didn't see him go out the whole story about the, uh, what the conversion van, yeah. um, that might be a little bit overplayed here and there. I mean, that's still a part of his life. And, you know, he did live in his parents, uh, you know, moved it back in with his parents during the off season the last few years to save money um you kind of wonder okay is that stuff really real or is it all you know shtick or you know marketing ploy i mean but from what i gather that's really him and and you kind of wonder too where he says money doesn't mean that much it's not the end all be all my life is not just being a football player well then why have the 84 million dollar guaranteed i think a lot of it was just based on principle for itself because the redskins said they were going to give him this and he felt he was deserving of this his whole life his whole underdog story kind of encapsulated itself in that moment where he could finally capitalize on it because as we've seen in the franchise tag era, uh, really salary cap era, um, none of this has, you know, you don't see quarterbacks like him come on the market that often. But do we really put him in the same category as when Drew Brees came out in 06 and when Peyton Manning, both of them were injured. This is he's not kind of in his own category there um, between Drew Brees and Peyton Manning when they became available on the market. So he kind of could call his own shots. And that's what the market commanded. The Vikings were going to have to do it. Otherwise, he was going to the Jets for arguably more money. All right. Hey, Courtney Cronin is with us. She covers the Vikings for ESPN.com. And uh, she will be our Monday guest on Talking Purple once the NFL season starts for real. Uh, We'll be back.
Courtney Cronin is with us. She'll be our Monday guest on Talking Purple. She covers the Vikings for ESPN.com. How have you uh, found the Twin Cities since you moved here? Delightful. What is it, about a year Yeah, year in August. It is. You like it, huh? I do. Um, Downtown I'm from, Minneapolis? You live I live in Uptown. Oh, okay. Same little difference. young. Uh, a <laughs> little young. I'm 27, and I feel like young. it's and hardened a, a little sports writer. up there, too. They're, uh, yeah. Every square corner, they're building a 20-story high uh, condo building. Exactly. But, uh, um, I'm from Chicago originally, so mm-hmm. I love the Midwest. I, I know I'm used to big cities. You know, I lived in the Bay Area before I came here, so the cost of living's a lot nicer, I can tell you that. Oh, compared to the Bay Area. Oh, man. But <laughs> yeah. um, the winters humble you, and they humble <laughs> you quickly. All of my live shots uh, were done uh-huh. last year outside. Mm-hmm. So I just remember the, the week of the Saints game, just... Just wondering what I had gotten myself into. But well, it lasted a little long last year. Ooh, April, it was bad. Middle of April, we were not supposed to be having blizzards. Yeah, that <laughs> BS snowstorm that closed the airport on the 15th of April is just absurd. No, I sat but, that one out because I, I was on a boat in the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah you didn't I rub it in at all. I, actually, I wasn't year. here either, but I had to know that I was coming Trying back to get to that. in and out is uh, the, air, the airport is the tough uh, guy. This team, uh, assuming the quarterback can play, though, I now we got... The offensive line is not killer, okay? But who is? Everybody ends up having two guys hurt and scrounging to put an offensive line together. This, I think, is as loaded as they've been since 98. When yeah. they, uh, I mean, and, and better defensively, obviously, sure. than 98, but they won't be as explosive offensively. But I, I really do think this is a, you know, it, it's been 20 years since they've been this talented, I think. It's probably been that long since they've had Super Bowl expectations not even mm-hmm. hopes expectations that they've had yeah the whole um, nine thing kind of sneaked up on us because that team was not mm-hmm. going to be that good and then Favre, like last Favre year. came in with whatever juju juicy was using or whatever and, and had a fantastic year but yeah that we never had that kind of expectations going into oh nine that we have now sure and i think that they're warranted um huh. i mean it's a tough schedule and you have a brand new quarterback and learning a brand new offense. It's a lot different if Case Keenum's still here and you have John Filippo coming in and he's just installing what he's mm. going to install. It makes it twice as hard for, on the quarterback when you have a new offense that you know all the pieces are in place from last year, but then you have a new quarterback coming in. That's why you know I'm pretty realistic. I at least try to be in curtail expectations. I, I'm I think there's high expectations on this team. But given the, the circumstances around the offense uh, right now, I mean, I would not say that, you know, thinking 12 and 4 is realistic. I, now, I don't. When you become a, a columnist, which is probably not too far off, you, the secret is you put high expectations on it, really high. You don't, <laughs> none of that realism. Put the high expectations on them, and then if they don't achieve them, you got them over the barrel. And that's where I'm going with my question, Courtney, as a lifelong Vikings fan and a guy that was in row 974 of 41 Donut at Giant Stadium. I'm waiting for the colossal collapse to happen this year. Outside of injury, the only thing that I see as something that will deter this team I'm not impressed. I'm still not impressed with what they did to, you, did to improve the offensive I, line. I do have to give you credit, Reavers. You did predict. You didn't predict 38-7 like I the s- score specifically, but you had said all week they're going to get their butts whooped. Yeah, I did. I you just, know what, though? <laughs> I think instead of being a burden, that game's a lesson. 
Yeah. That Philadelphia yeah. game, instead of being with this group, as talented as they are, I think it's a lesson. Hmm. A lesson okay, that you should you, you invest in the you offensive line. miraculous, well, yeah, A, but B, all right, just because you got away with your second half collapse against New Orleans doesn't mean you you can not show up. They were not pre- they were not prepared. I didn't think. Did you? I I mean they they just they defensively they ran around defense, like idiots. Yeah. And I mean the but the defense fell the apart off. in the yeah. second half yeah. of the Saints right. game. Yeah. They let him come six back. Six straight quarters of terrible defense. Yeah, yeah. And, and there was no pass rush the last five games. I think that defensively they were off kilter the last part of the season going, you know, even before then. But to your point with the offensive line, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement. I think that that's going to yeah. be the Achilles heel. They hope it won't be. Well, the only but, addition they made was a second round kid, a second round pick that, of a kid that's a project. I yeah. mean, he's not going to play this year. All At least he's not going to play meaningful snaps early. All along, the plan was for them to draft an offensive lineman 30. Mm-hmm. But you started seeing the run go a lot quicker than I think a lot of people anticipated with Frank Ragnow, who most people expected would fall to the Vikings at 30. He's gone at 20 to Detroit. You know, then you start seeing the wheels kind of come off of him more. You know, there's other guys going off the board and then they're sitting there at 30. Will Hernandez is still on the board. Austin Corbett's still on the board. And there was a few other guys who went right in that run in day two and they go with a corner. I think it really shows you what the dynamic of this team is and really the identity of this team that it still is a defensive franchise and that they believe in that's where their resources lie and having five first rounders in the secondary and, you know, having one of the most star studded defensive lines in in football, but the team's still going to live and die with Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. You should protect him. You've paid $84 million. That to me is, you know, that's where, that's Well, not to mention you learned your lesson two years ago with a really, you know, below average offensive line. And when Bradford's first year here, it was, it was a mess. Somehow they talked themselves into Will Hernandez was not their kind of player when everybody. It wasn't necessarily a scheme fit. I could, I could see it that way, but if he's still available, if Austin Corbett's still available, um, Connor Williams was still available at the time. You know, you got worse on the offensive line when Joe Berger retired. That's a fact. And they didn't really have any sort of like immediate answer of how to fix that because Brian O'Neill, as we saw in spring, was nowhere ready. And I mean, how could how could you fault the kid? I mean, he was touted for tremendous athletic upside, but undersized, still had to learn technique. I mean, you can't just expect some guy to come in, you know, as, as he would transition from tight end to seat and, you know, the head of the 2015 season, um, to be ready to play right tackle right away, you know, to step in for, you know, Rashad Hill did a pretty tremendous job, but struggled down the stretch. And not to mention too, Easton and Elfline were both injured at points last year. Yeah. And those are guys that you're counting on to be starters. It's been the last two years. I know everybody wants to go back to 2016 and talk about the, you know, the sliding to eight and eight after the five and zero oh start. But we saw what injuries did to this offensive line last mm-hmm. year. And you can really point to that um, in a lot of the protections in, in the NFC championship game. A lot of the breakdown was on the offensive line. That doesn't get talked about all that much because we're talking about Keenum and the pick six and, you know, whatever happened on defense, mm-hmm. just the monumental collapse from, you know, front seven to back seven. So for me, the offensive line was the biggest question mark going into the draft. The most easily answered, given the state, the state of this draft class and just how stacked it was with guards, unlike any other year that we've seen in the past. And, you just t- you know for the Vikings they hope that they don't come back and say hey we shot ourselves in the foot by drafting a, a cornerback that we don't need to play right now um, 
Just to just as a you know a luxury pick. Well, and we have all kinds of us just sitting there waiting for that to uh, become uh, come back and bite them because we'll be reminding them of that uh, constantly. Uh, we'll be back with Courtney uh, <laughs> Courtney Cronin, uh, who will be our Monday guest on Talking Purple. Courtney Cronin is with us. She'll, uh, she covers the Vikings for ESPN.com. And uh, starting about uh, Monday, you won't have a day off for a while, uh, 20 weeks or so. Yeah. So go get them. Uh, Manny, what, what's up, Manny? Uh, I have a Stefan Diggs question for you, Courtney. Great. Obviously, uh, Brandon Cooks just got a five-year, $80 million extension with the Rams, who just traded for him in the offseason or whenever it was. Uh, what does this mean for Stefan Diggs on the type of contract he's going to get? Is it going to be higher? I'd, I'd imagine it's going to be higher because he's better than Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Cooks, you look at that, he's a first-round talent. So you're going to get that first-round type yeah. of figure. And with Diggs, he's, you know, fifth-round pick. But he's going to get his money. The the one thing people forget in this whole equation, his agent is Le'Veon Bell's agent. Oh, boy. And, and Le'Veon, and Le'Veon <laughs> oh, Bell didn't settle for anything. That. I never even um, knew that. Yeah. Wow. You know, during during the whole thing that played out and you know is not being probably not going to retire as Steelers so I would not be surprised now if you take a look at all of the guys all of the receivers who signed these extensions or uh, you know got these big deals in the offseason it started with Devontae Adams last yep. December you know four years what is he 58 56 million something like that and then you know Mike Evans Jarvis Landry Brandon Cooks all these names um that you know, if you're taking a look statistically, you're probably going to compare Diggs more to Adams, and I think that he's a better receiver mm-hmm. uh, all around. You, I think four four years, fifty six, fifty eight is probably your baseline. You're, you're not going to want to take a team friendly nine to eleven million dollar deal. You're probably going to want to be in that fourteen, mm-hmm. fourteen and a half range. And you know, if he can stay healthy, teams are going to want to see that because yeah. he might price. If if this deal, if I don't think a deal is going to get done before training camp, I really don't. Um, so I don't expect anything popping off this week, at least not that we're hearing but right he's, now. He's going to show up. Uh, he's not talking oh, about holding n- over. N- or nothing like that. Like that but just right. in terms of what the deal would be for him, you know, he might price himself out of what the Vikings can afford if you know if if he has to play out the rookie the final year of his rookie deal. What's the franchise? He number? would uh, he would scare me less injury wise than Devontae Adams though yeah, with the uh, concussions. You know. Well, the groin injury was kind of an issue two yeah. years ago, and I mean yeah. it kept him out last year for a couple games. I think teams are going to want to see him stay healthy. To you know, but to, to Chris's question with the franchise number, I'm not. I think it's somewhere around 14, maybe, oh. probably, maybe probably a little less. But is he a franchise player? I think that's the question that you have to ask. I mean, I think he is, uh, but I'm not necessarily sure that, given the where Anthony Barr fits into this conversation, you know. If you have one tag, and if these deals don't get done before training camp or even during training camp, then you go through the season. Who do you use that on? I don't know if they. But in today's NFL, to me, the the receiver. Well, I'm not saying Stephon Diggs isn't a good player. I think he's a really good player, but you you can find guys to catch the ball. I don't think you can find somebody like Stephon Diggs in free agency, though. Well, they found him in the fifth round, is what I'm saying. I I just you know, but they got you know, you get lucky getting him that you don't. Think you're going to go get another fifth round? No, like but my that. my point is you can you can Adam Thielen was a street free agent. My point is you can get guys that that can fill that spot. Do you want to bank and, on and that? Can, though? That's the and question. You not get guys. Well, yeah, Laquan Treadwell. They was don't. A first they don't have anybody waiting in the wings. That yeah. can, that's the next you know to fill in if Diggs walks in free agency. And I think you also have to take into effect the type of internal salary 
uh, consistency that you'd potentially run into if you do give Diggs a big time contract and then you have Adam Thielen on a very team friendly deal. What do you, how do you solve that? Well, Diggs got to get it right now. I got news for you, son, because when those uh, receivers get to be 28 or 29, they stop yeah. paying them. So. Well, mm-hmm. how much guaranteed did Cooks get? Because that's going to be the yeah, basis that, of that the conversation, is, right? Is how much of it's yeah, going to be I'm guaranteed. Not, I'm not sure on the exact figure, but I think with, with Diggs, I mean, with, with Adams too, I mean, is it going to be a $30 million figure? Is it something, is it lower than that? I right. mean, that's going to be huge because uh, you know that that's you know that's going that's what's going to drive the conversation. I got a number for you folks. I was uh, looking up uh, 1998 when Red McCombs bought the team. Uh, it was officially approved a week from today on Saturday. Uh, a week from today, July 28th, 250 million <laughs> in 1998. 20 years later, you couldn't get it for two and a half billion. It's uh, unbelievable. Isn't it? Our guy Ziggy made himself a heck of a deal. That's we'll what you be, get for uh, telling Red to leave town when he was here for about 10 that's days. That's what I, my lead tomorrow <laughs> is about when, I, when Red called me at home and said, I'm on my way to the airport. <laughs> All right. We'll be. Cronin will be part of our uh, Talking Purple lineup. Uh, we got Courtney on Monday. We got uh, Rich Gannon on Tuesday. We got uh, Pelissero on Wednesday. And we got uh, bu- 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 Kevin Seifert on Thursday. Beautiful. So in good shape. I think Friday's still up in the air. They're uh, still working on that for the Friday Football Fun Fest. So. Uh, anyway, uh, that'll be fun, uh, uh, having uh, that conversation this year. And what's the, uh, what's the schedule? Who, where do they start? They start at home against San Francisco. the 49ers. Yeah. They have a rough Ooh, first a five weeks. That'll be a good Maybe game. Maybe Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo will bring his new date to the game. Oh, huh? boy. Who's, <laughs> he, who's he dating? Oh, well, uh, he's all over with the porn star all over the internets. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well. Britt McHenry was very offended in her conservative yeah. values with Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe the girl's reformed. I don't know. What the hell? Uh, that's good. So uh, what's uh, uh, beyond uh, writing your cousin's piece, uh, what what else are you kicking off the season with? Yeah, it's got several big things in the work. Uh, uh-huh. In the works. Did a big feature on John Filippo and just kind oh, of... Oh, I was going to ask you about him. A little different personality than Shermer. Yeah. Sh- a little bigger personality. A little, just a little bit. Shermer's kid, by the way, is the quarterback at, at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. And I was talking to Rex Rod when I talked about... about him yesterday, I read. They can't get a quote out of him. I mean, he's pretty good. He's been coached. Yeah, not he's just like just like Pat. I mean, there's nothing, nothing to say there. Yeah, so. Pat had a dry wit, and so yeah. sometimes you'd look around and be like, "Is that where we're supposed to laugh?" Like, was that a joke? <laughs> um, but no, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I've got that working, uh, and then a big piece on Laquan Treadwell. Those are my three big things I'm kicking off. Is this off the year? Is this it's, the year the better, Q you comes better hope so. It better be. Yes. You better hope so. That's true. Now, what at the end of this year, they have to say whether they're going to pick up, or did they already say they're not picking up his option? Uh, no, it's no, end, end of year three. End of this year. End of the year three. So, Is there uh, anything there? What do you think? I mean, he's got to have a 700-plus yard season, and then they, I think, really, they would... A lot of that depends on himself, too, but a lot of that sh- could also have some bearing on whether they're going to be able to keep digs. They don't want to lose two of their receivers going into 2019. Do you think that uh, Filippo and Cousins are going to figure out a way to uh, get him some footballs? Yeah, I think... I think He's got to get away from somebody. But, yeah, uh, I mean, and I think the tight end is going to be a huge part of this offense. I don't... They obviously didn't get what they wanted in, in finding a move tight end, like what Filippo had, um, you know, 
to manufacture some mm. yards, as he said himself, in Cleveland. But in Philadelphia with Zach Ertz and Trey Burton, I mean, this could be a very big year for Kyle Rudolph. I don't, I don't know how. Uh, I mean, they'll have to adjust just because they've got one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're going to spread the ball around a lot, and I'm really, really eager. My biggest, one of my bigger storylines that I'm watching is what they do with Dalvin Cook now, potentially, you know, flanking him outside as a slot receiver. Zach Ertz is not a tight end. He's a tight end body and a wide receiver. Yeah. Man, he is something. He's a different kind of animal. Well, uh, there's. I've always thought it's the toughest beat in sports because uh, you got to, you know, baseball. You got to come up with a story every day, but you got a game. Basketball and hockey. You got a game at least once every three days. Mm-hmm. Six days a week. You got to find a story. It's uh, it's the hardest beat there is, I think. Luckily, with this group, I feel like there's never a short. There's no overarching yeah, personality. But you don't get the arrests but... anymore. Back in the day, we used yeah. to count on at least a, one arrest every three weeks. You know, we had, oh goodness. You know, they don't get any. We had in the glory days. We had fourteen DWIs in what uh, three years, something like that. We don't get those anymore. Yeah, I think in the social media era, it's really cut down <laughs> on a lot of that. You know, for for well, better or for worse. You're well, saying like, Courtney's not going to be blessed like the rest of you are no. with the Wizenator. You know, that's not oh, going to no. happen Wizenator, again. Yeah. You've heard of Seifert told you about. Heard the all about it. Heard all about. Um, that's my cousins. Yeah, they called me. Uh, they called me at home <laughs> that day and said Seifert has this story on the Wizenator. We don't have a columnist tomorrow. Do you want a column? I said I give you five hundred dollars to write that column. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, there was the love boat. Oh, smooth. I miss those I days. I like the Wizenator better than the love boat. The love boat was just boys being boys, but uh, this this uh, this one was uh, that was an all time. The there were some bad bad hombres for to to steal a line from our president on that team. With you guys know about Darian Scott? Yes. Yeah. Good lord! I just I just learned about that story today about yeah. the plastic bag. I yep. mean, good. There I'm, some bad I'm glad I'm not. I didn't cover it in that era. Right. I mean, yeah, it's well, bad. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they 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 have been uh, comparatively well behaved. I think we've lost our lead with most of our arrests. Do we had that for years? All right, Courtney. Thank you. Thank and you. We will uh, be talking to you uh, every Monday during the season. Thanks. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.